Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Thank you for sure. Very kind words. Um, Philip has been, yes, yeah, so, uh, 2004 was my first year in Stellenbosch. It was my first introduction to Shofar. And uh, I, so I studied in Stellenbosch and then um, I've been in, in full-time in, in ministry with the church uh, since 2009. And I think Phil was one of the first people, pastors, to, to invite me to come and, and minister at, a, at his church. And it's just been such a joy for me to come here for so many years now. Wow, I'm really getting old, I think. Like, <laughs> and uh, it's just such a privilege. It was so great to, so thank you for, for having me and for having us. And um, it was so great to, to spend the weekend with, with a lot of your, your worship team and your musicians and singers, beautiful people, pure hearts. And uh, I'm just so grateful for what God has given us as the show for family of churches around worship. Um, we've got such a strong legacy of worship. The, the founding pastors, uh, Fred and Lucille, they were worshipers. They were some of the best musicians I've ever met. And, um, and really that legacy, it's just such a spiritual inheritance that we have. It's one of the things that defines us, I believe, as a church family is that we really love to worship. Uh, and I'm just so thankful that I, that, I, that I get to be a part of it. As Phil said, I, yeah, I lead the chauffeur band, and we've got some exciting things planned for the year. We're going to do a, a big worship conference in the Cape in June. Um, so if there's any worshipers here, you want to come and join us. 15 to 17 June, it's with that public holiday. And um, we also trust in God. We, we believe that He wants us to go to the States this year. We're trusting to do a ministry trip to the States in August. So we're applying for visas and all of that just to go and connect with churches that we've been a part of. Um, and as Phil also mentioned, God's just connected us with such amazing people. It's, it's just so encouraging to see what Jesus is doing in this nation. How He's joining different bodies, different churches, different backgrounds, different expressions, different cultures. And everyone, we just fit together around Jesus, don't we? <laughs> like it doesn't make sense. Church does not make sense. If you look at it just from a, like a kind of humanistic point of view. All these people, so many different expectations, so many different backgrounds, contexts. But when we come together around the person of Jesus, it just makes sense. Uh, and so I'm also grateful. He mentioned Worship Awake. We also recently, um, the Shofar Band guys, uh, were part of the team for the Exalted Gatherings that went around Pretoria, Poch, and, and Cape Town. Was anyone at Moraleta Park for Exalted? A few of you. It was just so, so special. Just really, I love the, the tagline of that. Was a, it's a revival meeting all about Jesus. And that really was what it was. it was. It wasn't about names or faces or even the people who responded at the end of each night. It's not like they were coming to be prayed for by somebody or to receive, you know, step one, two, three is where you're going from here. It's just responding to Jesus. Jesus is speaking and let's respond to him. And I want to encourage you, it's, it's so easy honest moment, it's easy to be discouraged in our country, right? It's easy to be, to be overwhelmed by a lot of negativity and a lot of, a lot of stuff that really is wrong. But I encourage you, if you're not doing it, make sure you get yourself into spaces where you're aware of what God is doing in this nation. Because God is moving. 
He really is moving. Sometimes it takes, like, it takes out, outsiders to tell us that. Um, I've heard it from so many different people who've come from other countries to South Africa. And Andy Bird, uh, who, who started Fine Fragrance, it's a, it's a Youth with a Mission YWAM program. He goes all over the world. He's, um, he's a, founded a missions movement. So he sees what God is doing across the earth. And he says that besides Brazil... South Africa is the only place he sees in worldwide that has a desperate hunger for Jesus. Just wherever he goes, when he travels in this country, he just senses the hunger. And I think it's because we are desperate. We are desperate for Jesus. We know that he's the only one who can rescue us. He's the only one who can save us. And um, so I'm really, really excited. And I encourage you, be stirred with faith by what God is doing in this nation. Because he really is moving. Amen. Um, yeah, so full mention, I'm, I'm based in George. I uh, moved there two years ago. Before that, I was part of, part of the, the, the furniture at Shofa Stellenbosch. For 17 years, I was there. And, um, and now I'm in George. Sorry. I know it's like terrible. It's just, it's just like, it's my portion in life. Um, <laughs> but really, really so thankful to be part of that community. God's also really moving amazing ways. <clears throat> Our pastor, Amor. He's something like seventh generation in ministry. His great, great ex-ex-grandfather was Andrew Murray Sr. Um, and so like just a huge heart for revival. And, and uh, I'm just so thankful to be a part of that team, but also to be able to come and be with people like you guys, just to get to, to go around to the different Shofar churches. It's really, really special. Let me pray for us. And then we're going to get going. I feel very far from you. I know there's, there's, a, there's a large congregation there at the back. How is it that? There we go. Thank you, Phil. Oh, wow. <laughs> going to be dancing in the aisles just now. Hallelujah. Father, thank you that you are present amongst us. And we really are here for you, God. Uh, we love fellowship. We love coffee. We love singing together. But everything that we do here is ultimately because we, we love you. And uh, you are first. You are everything to us, God. And we're just so overwhelmed by the fact that you're here to minister to us. Holy Spirit, that you've already started a work in us as we were singing, as we were worshiping. You've already started ministering to us. And... Uh, that you're the God who even comes to serve the people that you made, your creation, Jesus, that you, you washed feet. And, and we, we just want to say, come and, come and wash us, Lord. Come and make us clean. Come and change us. Come and mold us. Come and shape us. Come and do what only you can do. Holy Spirit, come and do what only you can do in this place. Right now, we just become aware of your presence. Thank you for your plans for each one of us, different for each one of us. You know our thoughts. You know our circumstances. And you love us so deeply, God. Lord, would your word cut to our hearts this morning. Cut away everything that shouldn't be there. Wrong understandings of who you are wrong understandings of who we are, would you come and cut? Would you pour out your Spirit upon us? We need you, Holy Spirit.
In Jesus' name. Amen. So as I was praying for, for this weekend, uh, I've, I've said this already to the worshipers who were here on Friday and Saturday, and um, the overwhelming sense that I had was that God is wanting to pour out a boldness and a confidence on you as a congregation. And um, I think it's within the context of what He has planned for you. <laughs> it's just this, he's, he's ready to pour out a boldness and to pour out a confidence. And, and even as um, Phil was saying now at the end of worship that there's, that he's, the Holy Spirit is the comforter. Maybe you've, you find yourself here this morning and you're like, I, I'm, I, don't even, I can't even think about boldness or confidence. I'm just trying to get through what I'm going through. I, I am aware that I feel like there's a lot of people who are really going through very challenging circumstances, very challenging trials. And, um, and I do believe that God wants to come in and bring comfort and bring hope for those who feel hopeless. Because that is the God that we serve. He is the God of hope. Um, and so just, just open your heart to what the Holy Spirit wants to do this morning. Even if you're like, I don't even want to think about boldness. I don't even want to think about sharing my faith. I don't even want to think about making an impact. I'm just trying to get through what I'm going through. Just, just take a moment. Just open your heart. Holy Spirit, come and do what you want to do in my heart this morning. I really believe God wants to pour out a, a confidence and a boldness. And that's a, that's a confidence to believe that He is who He says He is. The God that we read about in Scripture, His character hasn't changed. He is who He says He is. And also that we are who He says we are. That's, I think so many times we're so aware of what other people think we are or how other people perceive us. We're so aware of how we perceive ourselves. But a confidence and a boldness to believe what God says about me. That I was created for deep, unbroken fellowship with Him. Isn't that a beautiful thought? I was created for deep, unbroken fellowship. Not blips coming in and out and, you know, sometimes feeling close, sometimes feeling far. I was created to, to experience His nearness and His closeness. And a boldness to believe that He's called me to do what He's called me to do. And I mean that for, for each of us as individuals. Because there's a, a plan that He has for your life and there's something that, there's specific mandates that He's called you to do, whether it's in your family or in your workplace or in the NGO sphere or whatever it is. There, there's things, there's plans that God has for you and He's called you for that. But even you as a, as a you plural, as a church, there's, there's something that God has called Shofar Pretoria for. And... Uh, I believe that God wants to give you a boldness for, for what He's called you for. And uh, it's not a boldness that's based on, you know, your emotions or your experience or your gifts or your talents because anyone who's, who's been around long enough knows that that stuff is just not worth relying on, hey? Relying on my own abilities and my own gifts or my own experience. Because there's always somebody who's more gifted than you, always somebody more experienced than you. There's always situations that come up where you're like, I really don't have a clue what to do right now. So we can't place our confidence in, in that stuff. But, um, but I really believe that there's a godly boldness, a godly confidence that God wants to come and pour out this morning. For us to, to believe for audacious things. How many, how many impossible things are you believing God for? <laughs> hey? 
or how many or, or, or are we playing it safe going with what's comfortable going with what I have I think I can do this so yeah yeah I think I'll go in this direction how many impossible audacious things are you are you believing God for because the as I said earlier in our context in our, our nation things are things are dark the darkness is great and the darkness is real but obviously that just means that the light needs to shine brighter and the light does shine brighter than the darkness. That's the power of light, is that where there's light, the, the darkness can't exist where there's light. And um, the kind of mental image I have of what God wants to do this morning is we've all been caught literally in the dark uh, by load shedding. Like maybe at nighttime, suddenly the lights go off and you're like, oh, I didn't check the app. Forgot about load shedding. And you're kind of stumbling around in the dark. And maybe you find a box of matches and you, you light your little match. And uh, that's fine. You know, and I think many of us, we've got our little light, a little match of confidence and boldness. And that's okay to kind of see around in the dark. But I, I feel God wants to hook you up to solar this morning. <laughs> it's going to take you off the grid. <laughs> but really, that's, there's, a, there's a, God, a God confidence, a God boldness. That's just like, we, we were created to shine bright, to shine brighter than the darkness. And um, even just consider, uh, kind of meditating on this topic, I've spent a lot of times with Americans lately with the Exalted Conference. There was a lot of Americans who came. Any Americans here this morning? Hallelujah. And um, I don't know. <laughs> and um, <laughs> have you noticed that Americans don't struggle with confidence in general? Eh? <laughs> <laughs> generally americans and i don't mean that as a disrespectful thing i think it's actually like a, a it's like i don't know it's a spiritual inheritance it's just like this confidence and this boldness whereas i think we as south africans and i know not everybody here is from south africa but probably most of you have spent a good amount of your lives in south africa sometimes we struggle with boldness we struggle with confidence i think it's a i see it even in in you know we, we have the need for somebody to give us permission before we'll do something. And uh, I believe that there's a, a confidence that God wants to stir in us. Firstly, our greatest source of confidence must surely be in nearness to God. Our greatest source of confidence must surely be in being near to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But the the difficult thing is that in order to be near to God, we also need a confidence to draw near to God. Isn't that so? So there's a, there's a confidence that we have just by being close to Him. You know, this morning as we were praying, um, Aiden was, was here and his little girl, I'm assuming it's your little girl, <laughs> was, was kind of playing around and uh, she would kind of venture a little bit away and then she would get a bit shy and then she would run back to Him. And uh, those who have kids know, you know, that grip that a kid can have on your leg when they're feeling insecure. Or, or, but, but the amazing thing is, as soon as they're close, then they're confident. Then they're like, all I need to be in their heads, all I, need, I just need to be close to my mom or to my dad. And then there's a confidence. There's a confidence that comes from nearness. But we firstly need a confidence to draw near. 
And I think that so many times the strategy of the enemy is to prevent us from drawing near. Because he knows what we're going to receive when we are near. We're going to receive boldness. We're going to receive power from being near to our Father. And so that's why he creates all these obstacles, whether it's in our minds or whether it's real things that make us feel like we can't draw near to God. There's also a beautiful picture this morning. Um, one of my favorite stories in the Gospels is of the, the woman with the issue of blood and how she pushes, every, she pushes through the crowd to, to reach to Jesus. Every time I read that story to my kids, I cry. <laughs> it's just so beautiful. It's just so, isn't that true for, for all of us that so many times there's a crowd around Jesus and whatever that crowd is, maybe it's accusation, maybe it's guilt, maybe it's shame. And we need to push through that crowd. But we know that if we just touch the hem of his garment, we'll be healed. So this morning really is just about drawing near. Boldness is not the aim. Nearness is the aim, is the goal. Boldness is the, is the result of that. But if we don't have confidence to draw near then we're not going to receive the confidence and the boldness that we need to receive from God. So we're going to start off in Hebrews chapter 4. Funny enough, uh, I got these scriptures um, for you guys uh, as I was praying. Uh, and then I, after that, I realized that last year in May, I was here and I preached from Hebrews 3 and the beginning of chapter 4, which is like the chapters on, on rest and Israel who didn't enter God's rest because of unbelief and like hardening their hearts. So it's, just, it's quite funny for me that God's continuing the story a year later now um, as we're speaking from the end of chapter 4. So from verse 14 to 16. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest, high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. That was Jesus. He was tempted in every respect. He experienced temptation. I think so many times we, we have this kind of guilt and the shame attached to temptation. But even Jesus was tempted. So temptation itself, experiencing temptation is not a sin. How we respond to that temptation obviously can, can lead in one direction or the other. But Jesus himself was tempted in every respect but he was without sin. So let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace. Not because of your great works, not because of who you are. It's just saying, this is who Jesus is. This is what he's done. And let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in times of need. Hebrews 10, a little bit further on, uh, from verse 19 to 22. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So firstly, our confidence is tied to a right understanding of who God is. Do you agree with me? Our confidence is tied to a right understanding of who God is. I don't know if you've ever watched pastors' kids in churches. 
I don't know if Philip's or Yaku's kids fit this, this mold, but I've, I've genuinely seen that most pastors' kids are pretty wild in church. Right? We've got in our church, Amo, his kids are normally like hanging from the ceiling. And uh, my, I've got a, a two-year-old, a four-year-old, and a seven-year-old, and my t- well, he's nearly two, my, my boy. Like, we have to, if, if I'm on worship, or wherever we are, one of us, my wife or myself, need to, like, hold on to him. Because if we don't, he immediately runs to the front of the church, climbs on the stage, climbs behind the drums, and starts, like, playing the drums. And so where the other kids in church, like, are very heilig about the stage, and they're, they're, they're like, very hesitant, he just, like, runs onto the stage. And one of the, the, our other pastors, Luke, hilarious guy, his kids are even funnier, um, he'll often, like, his kids will, Ollie, his, I think he's about five, he'll do laps around the people, like on his little bike, on his push bikes. <laughs> and until Luke will finally say, okay, Ollie, that's enough, you. <laughs> Monica, where are you? Um, so there's just this boldness and this confidence that most pastors' kids have. And why is that? Because they, they know this is my dad's place. Right? There's a confidence because they know who their dad is. And their dad, this is his space, so I can, I can just be, I can be myself here. And I think it's the same with God. Once we, when we, once we understand who he is, there's a confidence that we have in the spaces in which we move, in which we operate. And that's why the, the word is so powerful. No, we cannot know God outside of, outside of the word. And spending time in the word daily, is fueling our understanding of who God is. As we, as we read the Word and as the Holy Spirit enlightens us, opens our eyes to see who God is, and we have a right understanding of who He is, and we have a boldness and a confidence that comes from just knowing, wow, this is the God that I serve. This is the God who loves me. This is the God who is with me and for me. The one, the one who created everything. He is with me and He is for me. That should blow our minds. And that's also the power of worship. Even, I don't know how many of you experienced it this morning. Sometimes we come into a space like this and we've had a rough week and our, our thoughts and our minds are only on the stuff that's going on around us. Maybe relationships that are difficult or insecurities or whatever. And then in the space of worship, what happens is our, our thoughts and our minds begin to align with who, this is who God is. Oh, God is... All hail King Jesus. He's the King. He's on the throne. We sing of His holiness. We sing of His sovereignty. We sing of His love for us. And our, our beliefs begin to come into line with this is who He is. That's the power of worship. And that's why reading the Word, that's why spending time in worship, it's so crucial for us because it creates a right understanding of who God is. Hebrews 4 said, Since we have a great high priest, we can have confidence. Because of the high priest, because we have a right understanding of who Jesus is and what he's done, then we can have confidence to draw near to God. So if you find yourself here this morning and you know in your heart that you're somebody who lacks confidence, who lacks boldness, who feels, can I really draw near to God? I feel like there's so much in between me and God. Then you need to again consider the high priest. Consider what Jesus did. Even now, let's just take a moment. Close your eyes. Let's just take a moment. Consider what Jesus did.
consider that before Jesus, the only way to be in right standing with God was through sacrifice. Sacrificing an animal, bringing its blood into the holy place. And there was a high priest who would do that once a year on our behalf. Couldn't even do it ourselves. It was up to somebody else to atone for the sins of all the people. Until Jesus. We entered not a tabernacle made of, made by man's hands, but he entered into heaven. And he didn't take the blood of goats or of calves, but he brought his own blood. His perfect, blemishless blood. The perfect sacrifice. He sacrificed once and for all. Doesn't have to be repeated. Once and for all was enough. He took what we deserved. He took the punishment that we deserved upon himself. Consider Jesus. So that you can have confidence to draw near. Secondly, our confidence is also tied to a right understanding of who we are. And um, I remember being such an insecure teenager, but I guess that's probably not unique, right? <laughs> Most teenagers are very insecure. And I remember God taking me on a journey of just unlearning a lot of like lies about myself. Until in my 20s, there was, there was confidence um, but I think a lot of that confidence was also based on, I'm starting to feel like, hey, you know, I'm maturing. I'm, I'm getting somewhere. I'm, I'm in some leadership roles now, and I'm, I've seen some stuff. I've done some stuff. And then I remember when I hit my 30s. I don't know if this happened for everybody else who hit their 30s. Suddenly, I don't know, the 30s for me were all about, have been all about self-awareness, where suddenly I'm like, oh, wow, I really... There's no good in me. <laughs> All that good that I thought was in me, actually there's nothing. There's, there's nothing that's good in me. Everything that is good in me, all those things that I was kind of starting to boast in a little bit myself, no, that was just God's grace to me. And you realize like, I really am a worm without Jesus. <laughs> but because of Jesus, I can have confidence and I, I, can, I can have boldness. And that's the beauty of Jesus. He knows our weaknesses. Hebrews 4, he says he knows our weaknesses. He suffered as we suffer. He was tempted in the ways that we are tempted. And that's why our, our confidence can, cannot be in any boasting in ourselves. I was listening to a song earlier this week. Um, Jonathan Helser wrote just such a beautiful line. that uh, He says, the one who knows me best is the one who loves me most. Isn't that beautiful? The one who knows me best, who knows all the good, the bad, and the ugly, is the one who loves me most. All the stuff that happens behind closed doors when nobody's watching, the one who knows me best is the one who loves me most. All we deserve from God is wrath, is punishment. But Jesus took that upon himself, and he gave us righteousness gave us his blood that washes us clean so that we can be called sons 
sons and daughters of God. And so our confidence is not in anything that we've done, but it's in who He is and who He says I am. My confidence, my boldness is in what God says. God, would you come and constantly renew our minds? I think it was Bill Johnson who said something like, I cannot afford to have any thoughts about myself that God doesn't have about me. Isn't that powerful? And yet we, we entertain those thoughts so often, those thoughts about ourselves that God doesn't have about us. Can't afford to have those thoughts. Our confidence is in newness, in drawing near, in being with Jesus, in literally smelling like Jesus. <laughs> I remember being a kid, uh, four or five, and when my dad, my dad was a farmer, when he would come home in the evenings, uh, my dad wasn't very physically affectionate. Even today, we give each other very awkward hugs. <laughs> but um, I remember being a kid and, and just running. That was my favorite time of the day, was to run to him and to have him hug me and then just to smell, you know, my dad's smell. It was a good smell. <laughs> uh, his jersey. It's just like such a comforting smell. I can remember that smell like 35 years on. Um, he's... And uh, I think that, so it's that nearness. If I'm near Jesus, that smell rubs off on me. I begin to think the way that he thinks. I begin to believe what he believes. I begin to do what he does. So much power and confidence just flows from drawing near, from being close, from being intimate with Jesus. My wife and I are, are busy doing a marriage course. And uh, so we're, just context, we're, as I mentioned, we've got a, f- a two-year-old, four-year-old, seven-year-old. So we're in the, I call them the toddler trenches at the moment. Any other parents here in the toddler trenches? Okay. It's just like you just want to kind of somehow make it through the night until you can get to the morning and then there's light and you're like, okay, Lord, help me to survive the day until you get to the night and then you somehow... Anyone who's been through it, please like, tell me that there is light at the end of the tunnel. I believe, I believe, and I've got faith. But anyway, that's where we're at. And uh, so we signed up for this marriage course. course. It's 18 weeks, once a week. We didn't know it was 18 weeks when we signed up for it. 18 weeks, once a week. And a, a colleague of my wife watches our kids while we go to this thing on a Wednesday night. How great is that? So now every Wednesday night for two hours... We've got just, just us get in the car. It feels so weird, no buckling up in the back seat. We drive to church. To be honest, I couldn't care less about the content. <laughs> I really couldn't. I just, I've got two hours with my wife. That's amazing. It's like a date night every week. Um, but luckily, the content really is great as well. We, we're really enjoying it, and we're being challenged. And, um, but the reality is that in the toddler trenches, we, it's so easy for us to get so wrapped up in the day-to-day. Sometimes it feels like we're literally just running a crash full-time. That's what we do. Uh, it's so easy to miss one another. And although things are fine, you know, it's, there's, there's not that intimacy. There's not that connection. And so now just having this intentional time, and this intentional time of the two hours every Wednesday means that we need, it makes us hungry to, to find other time to be intentionally with one another. And just to see how that blesses our family, that so many things fall into place once that connection is made. And it's exactly the same with God. If we, if we don't have that intimacy, if we don't have that intentional time with Him, if we don't have that drawing near, then everything else falls apart, doesn't it? 
And as I said, maybe some, sometimes things are fine. It's fine between me and God. You know, it's not like I'm running into sin or something, but there's not that, that intimacy. But power and confidence flows from intimacy with Him. Um, a, a scripture that I've been meditating on this whole four months of the year is, is John 15. I've been reading a super powerful book, Abide in Christ by Andrew Murray, if you can get your hands on it. Uh, it's literally just all about John 15, the vine and the branches, abiding in the vine. Everything that we have is found, or we need is, is found in the vine. Uh, from verse 4 and 5, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That's so true. Hey? I mean, what can a branch do that isn't attached to the vine? Nothing. What's it good for? Thrown into the fire. It makes, it heats up a house. Everybody still doing okay? I, I'm not going to be much longer. But um, everything that we need is found, is, it's only in being connected to the vine that we have any hope of, of bearing any kind of fruit. It's in that connection. And it's such a beautiful picture of what God has for us. As I said in the beginning, we were created for unbroken fellowship with Him. We were created for communion with Him. To constantly receive everything that we need from Him. Hebrews 4 said, we draw near so that we can receive mercy and grace. That's what we receive from the vine. We receive it from the vine. And so, I want to say that our confidence and our boldness is also tied to the measure in which we're able to surrender and receive. Say that again. Our, our confidence and our boldness is tied to the measure in which we're able to surrender and to receive. Are we able to receive from God? And that, I think that's why Paul made such a big deal of boasting and weaknesses. He's like, I'm going to boast even more in my weaknesses because I know that I can't trust in anything of myself. I'm, I'm just going to tell the world about how weak I am so that the power of God can be manifest in my life. Because we need the power of God in our lives. It's the power that we receive from Him that gives us confidence and that gives us boldness. And so really all this talk about confidence this morning, it's, it's really in the context of humility. A deep humility to know that there's nothing that I can bring to the table. But man, when I'm connected to the vine, when I receive from the vine, there's power, there's grace, there's mercy. What destroys our confidence? Think for a moment. What are the things that destroy our confidence? I think there are a few things. But the one that I've, I wanted to mention this morning, that a huge, it's a huge weapon from the enemy, is a, is a guilty conscience. It destroys our confidence. If you imagine the woman pushing through the crowd, imagine those people, those things pushing against, imagine that being accusation. The enemy loves to throw accusation. You want to get to Jesus, you want to draw near, but there's accusation because there's a guilty conscience. Either from from something that you've done, maybe there's a sin that you've committed, 
or maybe it's a sin of omission. Maybe it's the sin of, of something that you didn't do. If you can go and read for yourselves in 1 John 3 where it speaks about if our, if our hearts don't condemn us, we have confidence before God. And, and that's in the context of, of loving people, laying down our lives for others. So sometimes we, we sin by not loving one another. So it's not something that we, we did. It's something that we didn't do. We didn't love. But that really is the beauty of repentance. God gave us the most powerful weapon in repentance. And, and we, repentance needs to be a part of our lives. It needs to be a part of my daily discipline of, God, is there something in me that I need to repent of? Be quick to repent. Is there somebody that I didn't love? Then, oh man, God, I'm so sorry. I repent. Go to that person. Ask forgiveness. Ask, Holy Spirit, help me next time to, to love that person. Or is there something that you did? Is there, is there some sin that is in your life? Be quick to repent. And then not only to repent, but to cut it out. We need to be ruthless with anything that causes us to have a guilty conscience. Be ruthless with it. Because why would we want something that's weighing on our minds that's going to prevent us from drawing near to God? That's sin's power is it separates us from God. And then the devil loves to nail us with guilt and with shame. So, so in, in our sinfulness, what is the solution? It's to run to God. But that's what the enemy loves to do is to make us run away because we're like, oh no, I can't draw near. There's sin and then there's shame. I can't remember if I said it last time I was here, but my wife and I, we, we enjoy watching a movie or a series or something. Although for anyone in the toddler trenches, a movie becomes a series. <laughs> I don't know when last we watched a movie in one setting, sitting. <laughs> it's normally sp spread out over like at least three nights. I don't even know how people can stay awake for two hours anymore. It's just <laughs> I can barely make it through a 40-minute episode of something. Uh, <laughs> But uh, the other thing with, with it is like, it feels like lately it takes as long to watch something, as long to choose something to watch as it takes to watch something. Because we've just decided on our hearts we're not going to allow anything that, we're not going to put anything in front of our eyes that provokes our conscience. And I'm not talking about something that has like explicit, you know, it's got sex or it's got nudity or it's got hectic language or something. Even just sometimes the, the spirit behind something that we watch, it, it, grieves, your, it grieves the Holy Spirit. It, it, it's like, mm. I mean, a show that glamorizes, that maybe is clean in all other ways, but it, it like glamorizes power or greed or lust or something like that. It, there's something in us that's like, I'm, I'm uncomfortable watching this. Cut it out. Stop it. Leave it behind. It's not worth it. For the sake of my conscience, for the sake of drawing near to God, for the sake of what He wants to do through my life, I'm not going to allow anything that, that the devil can use as, as ammunition against me. And so, really, all of us, every single one of us, have our stuff that we are dealing with and that we're journeying through. Not one of us has it all together. Um, I think last year when I was here, I shared that for a lot of my life, for many years of my life, I struggled with same-sex attraction, something that came completely unwanted in my thoughts from the age of, say, 13, 14. 
And um, praise God, never acted on it, but it was, it was definitely something that the devil loved to use to bring shame or a sense of guilt of like, oh, why do I struggle with these thoughts? Until a couple of years ago, actually, I was like, I feel like God wants to, I'm tired of like just it being a wrestle in my heart. Um, and then a couple of years ago, I went for a deliverance session and there was definitely some demonic stuff that left. And I think the biggest thing that left was just a, 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 a fear of man and a fear of rejection. And since then, like, I'm really, I've been taking, well, my pastor asked me the first time to share. <laughs> so just after that happened, uh, he asked me to share at our pastor's conference with all these, like, probably 40, 50 pastors when you just share your testimony of going for deliverance. <clears throat> so that was a real test of whether that fear of man had gone. But when I saw the power of what happens when we become open about the stuff that we struggle with, people coming and saying, you know what, you sharing that gave me the courage to say that I really struggle with whatever. You know, I've, and so since then, I've just taken every opportunity I can to say, guys, I've also had stuff. I've also got stuff that I, I've journeyed with, with God. I'm the chauffeur worship guy, and this has been a part of my journey. And um, it's, it's so humbling. Like, I've had guys, like, in there, one guy in particular in his, like, 70s came, and he said for the first time he had the courage to share that he was um, abused as a child sexually, and that's, like, shaped his whole life. And then he was set free because of that. Isn't that incredible? So something that I hated about myself and I didn't want, and I was like, God, why am I experiencing this? I'm seeing, like, man, it was worth it to see so many people have been set free just the power of sin is in its secrecy. And so the, when we become vulnerable with one another, when we are open with one another, man, it takes away the power. It takes away the power of the enemy to use that against you as, as uh, you know, to, to, to make you feel condemned. Because that's what he loves to do. He makes us want to feel disqualified. Going to end off here. What does John 15 say that drawing near? What's the result of drawing near? It's not a rhetorical question. What's, what's the result of drawing near? Fruit. Isn't that beautiful? Just drawing near, being connected to the vine, the result is fruit. Without the vine, no chance of fruit. But when we abide, there's fruit. Who wants to be fruitful? Eh? Who wants to bear fruit? When I mean, you think of fruit, I mean, in your family, who, I want my family to love Jesus. I want my kids to love Jesus. I want my workplace to be a place where, where people can come and there's, there's just a, an atmosphere of worship and there's a, a loving and there's people who can come and receive healing. I want my... I want our church to make an impact in our city beyond just the, the walls of the church. Our, George should not be the same because Shofar George is there. I'm always asked us this challenging question. If Shofar George, if God had to rapture Shofar George right now, would the city feel the difference if we weren't there? God wants to use us to impact our environments, our, our cities. To see transformation. 
And if we want to see transformation, if, if, you, if we want to believe God to do the impossible, we're going to need boldness. We're going to need confidence. If we're like, oh, I don't know if he wants to use me. I don't know if I can even draw near to him in the first place. Then there's no hope of, of, of bearing fruit. And um, if you look throughout Scripture, it's a bunch of people doing crazy things. <laughs> if you think of Moses, you know, going to Pharaoh and saying, oh, all those slaves that made you really wealthy, the, the, we, 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 we want to leave. <laughs> or Joshua going into the promised land. Um, so the only thing between you and this promised land is a bunch of nations that hate you and want to literally kill you and wipe you off the face of the earth. Boldness, confidence. Whether it's Daniel in a city that, I mean, I think that's so powerful for even our context of, of seeing so much ungodliness around and such a secular environment and corruption, greed, all these evil things, but remaining faithful, having the boldness not to bow the knee to any idols. Paul kept asking Pray for me for boldness. Pray that I would continue to preach the gospel. And there's this beautiful story that I'm going to end off with in Acts. It's actually um, the song that we sang, the chorus of Spirit. I I wrote that a couple of years ago, and it was very much inspired by by this section in, in Acts chapter four. So what happened is is Peter and John, you know, the Holy Spirit has just been poured out. Peter and John are taken by the rulers of the city and the scribes and the elders, and they are given a, like a ultimatum. Stop preaching. Stop doing what you're, what you're doing. And I also love, if you read a little bit earlier in the chapter, I love what it says. They, they were astonished at their boldness because they, they, they saw that they were common, uneducated men, and they were astonished at their boldness, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? Common, uneducated people like us. And, um, but there was a boldness, and they recognized that they'd been with Jesus. That is the power of being with Jesus. So they reprimanded, and they told, don't preach in the name of Jesus again. And then they come back rejoicing that they've been able to, you know, they've received some persecution, and then, this is the prayer that they pray in, chapter, in verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats. Think about the threats that come against you. Think about every obstacle that stands in the way of what you feel God has called you to do. Every accusation, every insecurity, your lack of experience, your lack of network, whatever, Think about everything that comes against you. Look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. This was the prayer that they prayed. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. You think this building would survive? The place was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. So we're going to pray for boldness. We're going to take a moment to pray, because 
this morning I'm so aware there's no emotional like pep rally that I can do to make you feel bold and confident, you know. If I was here like, rah, 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 go change the world, you know, that emo kind of emotional hype wouldn't last the car ride home uh, before something goes wrong and you're like, oh, okay, you know. But if we ask the Holy Spirit to fill us with boldness, that is a prayer that He loves to answer. And I encourage you, make it a part of your prayer life. God, fill me with boldness to continue to do what you've called me to do. I love what Jesus said. He's like, you know, who of you, if your father's, if your son asks for bread, he's going to give them a stone, hey? Aiden, if your little girl this morning asks for a banana, you're like, no, here's a rock. We're not going to do that. And if we who are evil know how to give good gifts to our kids, how much more our Father in heaven, when we ask for the Holy Spirit, will give the Holy Spirit. That's the God that we serve. And so when we ask for boldness this morning, we come with an expectation He's going to fill us with boldness. We're going to ask for the Holy Spirit to baptize us, come fill us with fire and with boldness. We're going to sing that chorus again of, of spirit. Um, so let's all stand together. I'm going to hand over to, to Phil in a moment while I transition back to picking up my guitar. And... and um, we're going we're gonna to just sing this chorus as a prayer. God, baptize me with boldness for the sake of the lost, God. This is not so that I feel good about myself. That's a great side benefit to know that I'm, I'm loved. But this is for the sake of the world, God. This is for the sake of the communities that you want to reach through me. This is for the sake of the broken that need healing and you're wanting to use me to bring healing. This is for the sake of my workplace where people don't know Jesus and I feel so scared to speak to them about Jesus or even just to, to pray in that space, to pray that the atmosphere in that space would change. I need boldness, God, because I, I don't want my workplace to remain the same. This is for, this is for boldness to care for the vulnerable. Boldness to see transformation in all spheres of society. Boldness for Shofar Pretoria to believe the mandate that God has placed on this church. To believe that the city will not be the same because there's a church here called Shofar Pretoria. And man, God is with them. God is for them. God is behind them. And when they believe for the impossible... God responds. God moves. We need boldness, God. We need confidence. I also just want to encourage you, maybe after we sing this, maybe you still feel like there's, there's something that's preventing me from drawing near. There's something that makes me, I can't even draw close to God. Maybe there's a sin that you need to come and confess. There's so much power in confession. Just come and confess it. Come and lay it down at the altar. It's not who you speak to. It's just the power of confession. If we confess our sins, He will forgive us. Maybe you just need somebody to come in. You're like, I realize I don't know what it means to be a son of God. I don't know what it means to be a child of God. I feel far from Him. 
Maybe somebody needs to pray for you. Maybe you feel disqualified. Maybe you feel like it's too late. I've gone too far. It's never too late. You're never too far. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 012-362-1363. Email us, pretoria at shofaronline.org. Browse our website, www.shofaronline.org. Or like us on facebook.com forward slash shofarpretoria.org.